are listening to Making Life Brighter on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel, where we provide you with the latest information in natural healing, consciousness training, and all cutting-edge healing modalities, featuring experts in their field, including authors, musicians, and artists. Making Life Brighter is your forum for healing, inspiring, and uplifting entertainment. Here is your host, Winifred Adams. You're listening to Making Life Brighter, and I'm your host, Winifred Adams, and today I have a very special guest to present to you. I ran into him in the dog park in Malibu, post-fires, and uh, Brian Gallagher is the canine collaborator, and today we have a very special show for you because Brian really took my thoughts and turned them around regarding dog training. I happened upon him, or he happened upon me, or our dogs happened together at the moment, and (laughs) mine was growling away, and then suddenly Brian just subdued him slowly by giving him little treats and talking to me, and, and over time, the discussion that we had was very fascinating, and I wanted to share it with you, so welcome, Brian. Thank you for coming. Oh, thank you. Thank you very much for having me. It was really cool that we got to meet like that, too. It was. It was. It was really cool. I was really surprised. Um, I was just out for a walk, technically, and uh, Solomon, who is the new addition, he was he was um, being Solomon, and then, of course, he doesn't get along with everybody yet. He's a little bit nervous, but what you said to me blew me away. It really did. I, I've been actually thinking about it since then, and I've been thinking about it for days conceptualizing all the different things that you talked about and I told you that other people have been around him and he's been very hostile and uh, you had sort of the magic elixir effect after a little while so tell us a little bit about what it is that you saw in that moment and then we'll get into your background well, for one, I'm, uh, when I see an opportunity, and, and when you came up and I see a dog growl at me, like right away, I just can't, I can't let it go. Um, <laughs> I can't. Um, and, and so in that moment, I wanted to invest into the dog, but in order to do that, I have to deal with, in this case, the human, which would have been you. Um, and, and for me, dogs are easy. It's really the humans are the ones that create the behavior or also get in the way of being able to get the behavior you're looking for only because of their expectation and what they've been told about that so what I bring or what I've learned is a different perspective and that's the really the word for me that really stands out is perspective Mm -hmm. Um, when I look at dog uh, and dog behavior and then with human humans want to control certain aspects of a dog so their idea of fixing that would be training and, and I found that training for me is not something, a voluntary thing that we decide to do. Training for a human is, can you make my dog act this way or not act this way? And what I've learned is that is, is it's not what I call student-centered. It's content-centered. So when you look at a subject and you go, okay, let's present this and, you know, I want the dog to do this or don't do that, we take the information and we apply it to the dog. For me, what I like to do is I want to meet the dog for where the dog is at. I don't care the breed. I don't care the gender. I don't care the age. That doesn't really matter to me. Regardless of the owner. Yes. Yeah. I, again, it's the the behavior of the dog is really developed. Um, the biggest, I always say the biggest dynamic is the human and the environment that's created. That really starts to cultivate 
why the dog feels the way they feel, how, why they act the way they act, what their actions. And then we tend to just look at it and go, oh, this is their instinct or this is their breed or this is their personality. And when I see a very emotionally reactive dog, I see a dog who's actually, because of that emotion, prohibits them from actually discovering the world around them and being curious. That's really interesting. Now, what did you see in Solomon that day? What did you notice about him, if you recall? Well, when I look at dogs immediately, I'm going to see them in two different categories. They're going to be either emotional or logical. Mm-hmm. And and when I use the term emotional, that can be anything from excited, happy, excited, conflict, fear, anxiety, but anything that produces a heartbeat, anything that really starts to change the body biologically with adding, you know, adrenaline, adding these chemicals. If I were to look at the other side of the spectrum, I would think logical. Logical would be somebody who is, uh, you know, they, they're dealing with logistics, they're uh, diagnostician, here's the problem, here's the solution, let's, let's, you take the emotion out of it. So, in dealing with people, I always find you don't want the logic completely because then you have, in many cases, I'm going to stereotype men. And then you don't want the emotion on the other side, stereotypically, women. You want that balance in between. And the good thing about those types of relationships is when you have emotion and you have logic, you have a good sense of balance. It's that yin and yang. And when you have a dog who's so emotional and don't have the logic to to interact with their environment, to use that emotion in, in a constructive way, kind of manner they become very irrational and then they start falling down to that tunnel that rabbit hole of emotion emotion fear 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 oh and they're just reacting to everything so when i want to see a dog to me balanced i want to see a dog who can look at things process it and then also have an emotional reaction but the emotion is not the governing factor it's the logic of how to deal with the situation they're in and so did you feel that he was basically over emotional when you met him and that was his hostility that he was just just unable to process the the confrontation in his mind that he thinks it's a confrontation we were just walking but right. he thinks it's a confrontation right well the the instability in that or the the insecurity was really the stronger factor in this mm-hmm. so if i look at it we're at a park you know i have my dogs there um you have solomon there's no threat in this environment now if we give too much credit to solomon we're saying yeah but he really feels this i'm like but the reality is there is no threat so that I'm going to look at his feeling and go, but his feeling is off. Now, that feeling might have been catered to a past, mm-hmm. an environment he grew up in. But the cool thing about dogs is they're, they're adaptable. And I always use the term, they're opportunistic. If they're opportunistic in that environment for survival, then they can be opportunistic in an environment to actually be successful. So I just want to use that level of success. So I don't want him to react in his emotion and validate it based on how he grew up when this environment now creates a different opportunity. Well, let me ask you this. In terms of the comparison of dogs and humans, are humans similar to this? Are humans opportunistic in the same way, or do they act differently than dogs? It's Yes. Um, <laughs> My mind is going like it's as soon as I hear questions like this, it's um, the analogies, the the directions up. The first thing that comes to mind to me to get to that point to answer, I say one of the most incredible things you can give an individual is choice. Uh, But on the other hand, one of the worst things you can ever give an individual is choice. Too much choice. (laughs) 
<laughs> or any choice. Well, you think about when you give too many you know too many choices, uh, go to a buffet. Yeah. You know, people do pretty well because they can have everything. But then look at a menu; they can't choose. People get locked up because they can't figure out: Do I want this? Do I want this? And it's usually because they don't want to miss the opportunity. They want to make sure they get the best thing. So they're afraid to make a decision for this because then they would afraid, you know, be afraid that I didn't get the best thing or this would have been better. So we tend to lock ourselves up in that with a choice. But the idea with this whole process is if I'm allowed to make choices for myself, what's those choices based on? If I have learned to become fearful of everything, I'm afraid to be criticized, if I'm afraid to, you know, to look bad in someone else's eyes, if I don't want to do the wrong thing, if I feel like I'm going to be imperfect, you know, in certain scenarios, then I'm going to use that choice to protect those vulnerabilities and actually never get to grow. I never get to use those to expand myself. So that choice would actually be uh, an inhib- uh, prohibitor for you to be able to just to move forward. So in this situation, I'm looking at Solomon. The choices he's making is what's preventing him from actually growing. And if we substantiate that and allow him just because he feels that, um, and I go through this whole process just because you feel something, it doesn't mean it's correct. I love this. See, this is where I just totally, this was amazing. And not only are you speaking it, but I watched it happen. Like, as you were telling me things like this and we were having a discussion, you kept doing different things to sort of calm him down by giving him little treats and he'd come around and you changed as you told me his value system in the moment and that value system change allowed him to get closer to you and closer to you and closer to you so he he adjusted but this concept of what you're talking about is so important i think this applies to people too and and i was (laughs) i was so happy to see what happened that day with you and he and Literally, my mind was blown. I went home going, wow, okay, there, now that is a deep conversation for an afternoon walk. <laughs> yeah, well, we oversimplify dogs in one aspect. Yeah. But in another thing, we actually overcomplicate it. Um, and, and when I said before, dogs are a product of, of us and the environment we create. When people are going, all right, my dog is out of control, and then they call me up and say, can you make my dog listen to me? I'm like, it doesn't work because your dog already knows how your environment works. And so, and in what you're asking about the parallels, humans and, and, and dogs, I always go back to this. I'm like, dogs feel emotion like us. There's a lot of simplicity in that. But when I see the way humans interact with dogs, dogs in a normal environment, let's say out in the wild, they're not manipulative beings in a sense. They, they, it's a cause and effect type of thinking. If I go over here and this other dog bites me, I don't go over there or I have to, you know, become greater in that moment to handle that. If I want to eat, I have to go hunt. If I need to do this, I need to do that. The problem with humans is we're very manipulative in the way that we speak. We're not direct. And then when we're using emotion all the time, that really... Try using a lot of emotion with, with the man in your life or the, your your significant other. And, and you look at him and... and it, yeah. <laughs> you just you think like you don't have a feeling bone in your in your body but it's not that we don't it's we kind of look at things going okay I want to produce a result I don't want to feel the feeling because sometimes the feelings get in the way and when we take and look at our dogs in a very emotional way we cloud up that functional that functionality that logic process a dog can't think anymore why? Because we deal with them emotion. When I show up in a room, I want them excited. I like them excited. Why? When we see when we see an excited dog, what do you think? Happy. 
Right. So automatically we go into, great, that's happy. But he's out of control. Or she's out of control. So in those moments where, okay, the dog's happy, and we think, I just want my dog to be happy, it would be the equivalent, I just want my kids to be happy. I'm like, oh, you're running on dangerous ground there. No, you don't. Because your kid's going to be disappointed when they actually realize they can't get what they're looking for. You never dealt with the word no. We never dealt with the frustration of not getting what you want. So this isn't about making you happy. This is actually more about making your dog uncomfortable and learn how to become confident within that discomfort. I see. I love that. It's, it's like meeting the, the, the part of you where you really have to kind of step through what is uncomfortable to you in order to get to the other side to release that tension. Yes. It's, it's, and in this case, especially with the dog, you can literally see the tension. Yes. I mean, you can just see, feel it. The hair goes up, the growl comes, the snarl, sometimes the teeth. And, and yet he didn't seem really aggressive. He was more frightened. And I think that's the right. truth behind a lot of this is that there's, it's fear. It it's is. just human or animal. It's fear. It is, is the emotion. If you look at the kind of world today, the world is driven by emotion. And we've been validating a lot of the emotion. And you're seeing a lot of irrationality coming along with it. So it makes it very difficult to make sense of a very, okay, well, if this is the problem, then how do I fix it? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And you know what? On that note, we're going to come back. We're going to take a quick break because this is fascinating. I love this. I'm so happy that you came today. Thank you because there's so many people that are going to really dig this. We have more for you, Mr. Brian Gallagher. He is on Instagram, the canine collaborator. So he is at the canine collaborator. You're listening to Making Life Brighter Radio. We'll be right back. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. How much health and wellness information have you been exposed to today? Listen to Prescription for Success with Dr. Emil Haldi. Healing and empowerment start from within, but it also takes the best knowledge and advice. That's what you'll find here. Dr. Haldi and his guests will help you make the right life-enhancing decisions for well-being success. Tune in live every Thursday at 6 p.m. Eastern and 3 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel for Prescription for Success. There is a difference in health and wellness programs. There can be mainstream programs, and then there is something extra. That something extra is called tips to keep you healthy, happy, and motivated with your host, Kristen Harper. If you want to hear some behind-the-scenes talk radio when it comes to health and wellness, the why as well as the how, be sure to tune in each week. This show will inspire you to be healthy and happy for life, as well as become the best version of yourself. Listen Tuesdays at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Health & Wellness. The Voice America Live Events Channel is here now to showcase your corporate, individual, or organization's live event. Visit voiceamerica.com forward slash live events to see all of our past live events and find out more. Whether it's a multi-day conference, special speaker, or single-day event, we've got everything to make your event a success. We can do a few hours or a few days. For more information about taking your event to the next level, call Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or email info at voiceamerica.com. Again, that's Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or send us an email to info 
at voiceamerica.com. Voice America is where you are and where you want to be. Join us around the globe as we broadcast live from some of the most interesting events available. Don't forget to view all our live events, including on-demand access to past events that you may have missed by visiting voiceamerica.com forward slash live events. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. Welcome back to Making Life Brighter with Winifred Adams on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel, the preferred choice for conscious education and entertainment. For more information, please visit us at makinglifebrighter.com. If you have questions or comments, please email us at radio at makinglifebrighter.com. That's radio at makinglifebrighter.com. And now, back to the show with your host, Winifred Adams. And we're back today. We have the canine collaborator, and Brian Gallagher is an amazing dog trainer. He's here in Malibu, California, and in Southern California as a whole. I mean, I'm sure you're not just in Malibu, California. So you've come, and uh, boy, did I have an enlightening experience with him the other day in the dog, dog park. And what I watched Brian do, which was so amazing, is he neutralize the energy not only around him but with the dog and in the field of energy in which we stood and he used treats in part but his his energy neutralized the energy in the playing field and brought it to his environment the way he needed it to be and the dog adjusted to that and I just watched him shift energy it was so cool so tell me what that is what do, what do you do in those scenarios um well, and I'm going to listen to some of the, like the key words that you mentioned. When you there's certain words that you're going to say that most people will hear and automatically have an emotional response to. One of those in that that sticks out to me would be right away treats. If you're going to say the word treats, a lot of people are going to have the, you know feeling of oh well there's treat training and then there's some who are so against treat training and and we're supposed to use this and not supposed to use that. So I want to kind of define what that is. Um, a treat to me, it doesn't necessarily have to be food. It's currency. Uh, whatever motivates, whatever draws forward. Um, that's the hardest part because when I'm looking at Solomon, Solomon withdraws from everything. Mm-hmm. Um, he withdraws from everything, but he also withdraws to a safe space. Um, and the problem with that is having that space, safe space means he has an option to avoid the things around him. Mm-hmm. So you have to have something that's going to get Solomon to want to move forward into that fear. So I don't care if it's a treat. I don't care if it's affection. I find that affection, when you're trying to create a thinking dog to work through this process, might actually work against you because it's a listening and emotional response and it gets the dog kind of excited. And And, and a dog like yours... As he gets too excited, starts to he can he can like something getting excited, but then all of a sudden find this is too much, it's too stimulating, doesn't like, and then bites or, or snaps at something. Mm-hmm. So you need him to constantly think his way through things, and we want to revalue those things. So it would be the equivalent of you and I just meet, okay? Now when we met, one of the currencies we had were the dogs. 
And then the information I was able to present, you were like, okay, this sounds interesting. Let's do this. Um, otherwise, if I didn't have those, you would be looking like, hi, how are you? Keep your distance. I don't know you. Like, this is nothing. What draws you into that space? I'm Creeper. Uh, <laughs> so there has to be a currency in that. What, what draws you forward? What brings you into something that you don't know? You're unknown in that in space. So with Solomon, the, the treat ended up being that currency, that motivation. It was something to go forward. So the fact that he's growling at me, that's his initial response. Okay, I'm not one to growl. You're going to, in fact, dogs will just be like, I love you. I want to come up to you because I create that, that environment for them to want to do that. Um, you do, though. You just, it's calming. And it's like, oh, it's like instant dog spa. <laughs> yeah, well, because the idea is I'm not, again, I'm trying to meet the dog where the dog is at. Yeah. If I'm able to understand what the dog is dealing with and what the dog is going through, that's the first part is making sure you're diagnosing what you're seeing correctly, not just instantly, oh, the dog's protecting or the dog's doing that. Like, that's just an instant, it makes sense to me all of a sudden, but it might not be the truth or the reality, but it just makes sense to you. So then I have to look at, is this about you or is this about the dog? Uh-huh. So then you have choices to make with this. So if I want the dog, like in this case, I want Solomon to come forward, I pulled out a treat that obviously Solomon is not going to be interested in a $1 treat, you know, and I think of value. He's going to want something that's of higher value. So if he's looking at me and he's growling, he doesn't like it, and I pull out a $50 bill and he looks at it and goes, nope. I pull out a $100 bill and he's like, oh, okay. Maybe I'll go forward to that. But I mean, he's still going. He wants to growl. He's not sure, but he's, there's a conflict there, but he's moving forward. In that moment, I'm starting to find a value in which he wants to move forward in something he's afraid of Mm -hmm. to get that. Now, if I do that again and again and again, his hesitancy becomes less. His his drive, you know, towards becomes quicker. And then he comes over and then I can work him into becoming closer. So Mm -hmm. what I'm not doing is creating this, you know, head bump, fist to fist. I'm not making the dog do anything. But you gave him a very high smelling treat and that was his $100 treat, so to speak. That was his motivation. Using something that was really attractive to his senses. Yes. And there's a lot of dogs out there who are so emotionally driven that no matter what treat you pull out or food, they're not interested. And that means there's a lot more work you have to do. That's not an instant going, okay, you want this. So for a dog like that, and a lot of people will cringe in saying this, a dog like that, I have to take away all of their safe spaces. Because... Because they have that safe space, they don't have to deal with anything in front of them. It's kind of like what I deal with. I look at a dog and a, and, a, and a tennis ball. Most people think that's a normal, natural thing. Ball and a tennis ball, like, oh, my God, dog loves the ball. Like, yep. He doesn't. Right, okay. <laughs> but most uh, the people just assume that that's yeah, the case. don't follow a tennis ball. Right, but I will look and I will watch individually, and it's not at every case. Some dogs are pretty healthy in, that, in, in playing with a ball. But I will watch certain dogs. When they go to the dog park, people pull out a tennis ball and they'll throw it. And I will watch that dog wants nothing to do with any of the other dogs. But they're so fixated on that ball. Mm. You throw that ball, another dog comes around, they'll growl at the dog and they'll go get the ball and they have to make sure they get the ball and they have to avoid the ball and then they got to go, you know, avoid the dog. Now they're running back to the owner. They come back to the owner. They give that in the high energy and they're jumping and barking. I need the ball. I need the ball. Give me the ball. Throw the ball. They go after the ball. And it becomes this very kind of hectic. <laughs> You're getting that sense, I feel. And I'm watching this and I'm, I'm getting anxious in this process because what they don't understand is that their definition of the dog likes the ball is because the dog's going after it. What I'm seeing is a dog who doesn't know how to deal with a new environment doesn't know how to interact with other dogs. And so that ball becomes that main source, that fixation, that if they focus on the ball, they don't have to deal with anything else. And if you look at that, there's no different than addiction. 
Yeah, it's also an enervation to the dog. So he learns that over and over again and then goes back to his owner, enervated, I'm good, I'm good, I'm good, validate me, I'm good. Right. And that's where now the human has missed the cues of imbalance. And the other aspect that we're looking at is the owner loves the attention. The owner wants the attention. So when we, when we have a dog, in most cases, it's for us. It's for our sense of validation. Our, we want unconditional love. And if we don't get it from people, we can get it from a dog. And so we're like, oh, the dog just loves me unconditionally. I'm like, oh, no, he doesn't. <laughs> just that dogs are more apt to be unconditionally loving than a lot of humans, I think. I think dogs are more in tune with unconditional love on average. Do you agree or disagree? Well, again, if we're going to make this student-centered, if I'm looking at a dog like Solomon, mm-hmm. Solomon is incapable of receiving love. He can't, he can't get that. You mean from other people? Because I can love all over him. So what's the difference there? He can because he has found a place that he feels trust mm-hmm. and safe in that situation. Um, when I... Uh, which direction I want to go with this? Um, when I'm looking at Solomon, um, Solomon is all about his need to feel safe more than anything else. He is not in a space at that moment to go, okay, what does this human need? Yeah, right. Yeah, that's a great way to put it, too, because it's true. He's interested in what he's interested in. He's not interested in loving his mother. He's not. Now, you tend to create a, a source, and as humans, we've learned that if I want a dog to love me, I feed it, I give it water, and I give it affection. Mm-hmm. Okay, so what is affection? When a dog runs up to you, and I am trying to figure out how to train people to do this with me, <laughs> every time a dog comes up to a human, they get a back rub. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's brilliant. Right. <laughs> so what's the motivation for a dog to come up to a person? So we've created a very manipulative way to get a dog's attention, and then for us, we've said, oh, the dog just loves us unconditionally. No, it's a very utilitarian relationship. Dog gets something out of it. You get something out of it. The problem is when we don't see it for what it really is. Now, I do not want people to think that dogs are incapable of that, and this is just this utilitarian thing. Relationships are not a sudden thing that just exists. Relationships are something you develop. When you look at two people who have wants and needs, um, a balanced relationship that I see is going to be one where somebody has wants and somebody has needs and somebody sees the wants and needs of someone else and is able to supply and, and give and at the same time both give. And when you have two people who are kind of giving the need that the other person needs, you get a little bit more of a balance. Now, when you have an imbalanced relationship, you have two people in which you're each trying to take what they need or want in that. So no one's really feeding the other person. They just have two people who are able, like, I have something you need, you have something I need, I take, you take. All right, but nobody's really giving anything and and a, a relationship becomes more when you have an investment into it when you're giving us something you're not getting something back you start and that's what really kind of what i see was what love is when you're giving and you're not taking you're, you're able to give and you're able to share that and you don't expect anything back um, when i'm looking at a dog like solomon in this space he doesn't have that capability right now to give love of anything because he's so driven emotionally, fearfully, that he's looking for whatever he can get, and he finds it within you. Mm-hmm. And then the human, um, in our capacity, will turn around and then define that as, oh, my dog loves me. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, let's, let's see the situation for what it is. When I have a dog who wants to be near me, mm-hmm. 
And that's one of the questions. About, how do I keep my dog from running away? As soon as I open the door, as soon as I open the gate, dog's gone. Right. So what do I do with that? I'm like, okay, so is this a control thing where you want me to make the dog listen to you? You control the dog? Or do we give the dog a reason why they want to stay? I love that. I just love that. I think that's brilliant. I really do. I just, yes, exactly. Now, you're seeing both of those things with Solomon and I. Like, Solomon does stay with me, kind of. And if I were to let him off the leash and I were to go forward, he'd follow along. He'd always come back to me. He'd eventually find me. But he'd do his own thing, too. And so there's a little bit of push and pull in all that. He, He hasn't as you talked about to me, valued that enough. And in the next segment, we're going to get into valuation of animals, dogs, dog psychology. Right. I mean, this is like an art form, and you're, you're sort of mastering this language of animal art form all in one. It's, it's, does this apply to your personal life too, these things? Can you take this concept of what you're doing and adjust into your own world with these concepts that you're talking about? Yes, um, it's. I mean, it's the whole premise of how I got to where I'm at. Um, it's. It's kind of the saying is you only know what you know. Yeah. You know, and if you think you know everything, um, it, it helps me categorize again people into two. I put people and things in categories, but it's it's how you, you know, source and work out what what types of you know direction are they going in. So I look at humans and I see them as either. Yes. Well, hold that thought for one minute. We're going to be right back. You're going to hear what he has to say when we return. You're listening to Making Life Brighter Radio, and we are talking with the canine collaborator today. We'll be right back. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. How much health and wellness information have you been exposed to today? Listen to Prescription for Success with Dr. Emil Haldi. Healing and empowerment start from within, but it also takes the best knowledge and advice. That's what you'll find here. Dr. Haldi and his guests will help you make the right life-enhancing decisions for well-being success. Tune in live every Thursday at 6 p.m. Eastern and 3 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel for Prescription for Success. There is a difference in health and wellness programs. There can be mainstream programs, and then there is something extra. That something extra is called tips to keep you healthy, happy, and motivated with your host, Kristen Harper. If you want to hear some behind-the-scenes talk radio when it comes to health and wellness, the why as well as the how, be sure to tune in each week. This show will inspire you to be healthy and happy for life, as well as become the best version of yourself. Listen Tuesdays at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time, on Voice America Health & Wellness. The Voice America Live Events Channel is here now to showcase your corporate, individual, or organization's live event. Visit voiceamerica.com forward slash live events to see all of our past live events and find out more. Whether it's a multi-day conference, special speaker, or single-day event, we've got everything to make your event a success. We can do a few hours or a few days. For more information about taking your event to the next level, call Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or email info at voiceamerica.com. Again, that's Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or send us an email to info at voiceamerica.com. 
Voice America is where you are and where you want to be. Join us around the globe as we broadcast live from some of the most interesting events available. Don't forget to view all our live events, including on-demand access to past events that you may have missed by visiting voiceamerica.com forward slash live events. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. Welcome back to Making Life Brighter with Winifred Adams on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel, the preferred choice for conscious education and entertainment. For more information, please visit us at makinglifebrighter.com. If you have questions or comments, please email us at radio at makinglifebrighter.com. That's radio at makinglifebrighter.com. And now, back to the show with your host, Winifred Adams. You're listening to Making Life Brighter Radio, and you can email me directly at radio at makinglifebrighter.com, and you can check out the archives at voiceamerica.com. You can find us on iTunes Worldwide, and you can go to makinglifebrighter.com. And today we have special guest Brian Gallagher, and he is the canine collaborator, and we are going in-depth on human consciousness, how people perceive their animals, and how animals really perceive people, and the behaviors that are created from that. So just before we were going to go to break, I cut Brian off and he was on an amazing um, thread there. So I want to jump right back into that thread about people and emotions. And we were kind of going toward valuation in a way because Solomon wouldn't come back unless, you know, there wasn't a need yet. <laughs> right. Well, and also, too, in this, in this whole circle, it's, you know, how do you get to this point and, and how, do you, how do people begin to understand this? Perspective of thinking, and and I couldn't have gotten to this perspective if I hadn't looked at myself and my relationships, my communication, my understanding of things. Um, and and when I was talking about uh, you know categorizing people, uh, I get people who want to know, and I get people that want to understand. And then when you start to understand the motivation of why do they want to know, and then why do they understand, are kind of the key. So there's the what and the why. You know, you have to know both. Why this? Why that? Why do people want to know? And I see a lot of people in in many cases, they want to know because maybe they want to feel valid. Maybe it's they want other people to know they know. It's it's kind of the currency nowadays to feel like I'm somebody here. Um, And then there's a lot of talking that goes on with that and not so much the listening. So it's the, you're not a receiver, but you hear, (laughs) listen to me, listen to what I'm saying. Um, and and then there's the other side where I found out I thought about it when I was young. What do I really want? What's I don't know how like what, how I get this to this profound moment. But I mean I kind of do. There's there's a lot in life that kind of directs you to to who you become, why you become. And there are some profound moments. And I remember I remember thinking I just wanted to understand why. Why did this happen? Why did this person do this? Why did this person say this? How? Why did they do this to me? So instead of it becoming more about me and why I'm feeling this and woe me and the problems and this and that, it's like, okay, so why did my ex say this, do this, act this way? Why did my old friends or this, whatever, say that? And so that understanding really kind of falls into that that 
category of wisdom. I wanted to be wise. Like that was the question. I didn't want to know everything. I just want to be wise because if you're wise, then you start to really understand all the things you learn because you can't know everything. Uh, so I found by paying attention to what I'm doing, listening to how I act, what I you know how I respond to things, how I think about things. Back then, I couldn't really understand animals. I was a dolphin and sea lion trainer at the time. And yeah, it's, it's, you had like all kinds of careers. We're going to get into that too. <laughs> and and I almost like I would almost want to go back to that because that was my first moments of learning. You know, his training, his how you train an animal, and that was really about the trainer telling the animal do this. I, I would go back, going, okay, now let's make this about the animal, and what could I do differently? How could I understand the animal more and get more, you know, a different motivation out of that? Mm-hmm. So, seeing that really kind of made me have a different perspective myself. So I always say that your dog is going to be the product of your environment. If you're a person that wants to know or if you're a person that wants to control everything and you don't have the time to really put in the time, then I'm going to watch your kids and your dogs, that parallel of behavior. It's not really dog psychology. It's psychology. Mm -hmm. You know, I I tend to to, to value, like psychology to me is, is... the, the, the choices you make, the values you have based on your emotions and your decisions. Um, and those emotions don't really change. Those motivations don't change in a dog. A dog is just a being trying to figure out how to get what they want, but they're limited by the capacity that they have. So then we look at a furry, four-legged thing and we go, oh, it's this breed, it's that breed. I'm like, no, that's like looking at a person going, oh, you're a white woman. Yeah. So what does that have to do with anything? Right. It's going to be how you grew up, and 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 even still, I could have I could clone you seven times and put you in the same environment, but each one of you seven individuals are going to have a different perspective and a different approach to how you're dealing with things. Somebody's going to be more confident. Somebody's going to be the bully. Somebody's going to be the insecure one. Somebody's going to be the jealous one. So it's always the environment, even if it's the same thing, same being, same you know, or same outside appearance. Everyone has their own sense of perspective from the environment they grow up out of and that has a giant impact on everything we think and how we process you know everybody in the world at least in my profession is always looking to heal and i keep saying to my groups of people stop trying to heal yes don't get rid of the need to heal anymore and be (laughs) right well and it's come into understanding of yourself and once you have that then you, you have for lack of a better word, control over yourself. You have control over the energy that's presented to you by your own thought process. So your emotions come by, you have something that goes across the window screen, it's suggestive to you. Do you believe it, like you said early on in the first segment? Do you go with that? Do you run down that belief system or do you accept it or move on? That's that's like a distraction to an animal in a split second. Oh, rabbit. Okay, rabbit. Do I run or (laughs) do I stay here and look at the rabbit go by? Right. Well, and then and let's look at what balance is in that situation. Um, if, you know, you're talking about healing in that way. I'm going to look at that. I'm like, okay, so if somebody needs to heal, um, let's look at the full context of this. What happened that got you to this point where you feel like you need to heal? Who were you before this? Were you a balanced person? If you weren't a balanced person, well, then the big assumption is that this person would know what balance is. So then you're healing, but if you've never been balanced... I can always see that you're always constantly trying to be something that you've never been or don't even know what it is. So what would that be? So, and if we constantly, and there was an article that um, somebody just recently showed me, and it was about, you know, uh, an article about, you know, everybody's going through difficult things. You know, somebody's always grieving. And and we should approach people, you know, carefully, you know, like they're grieving and we should be careful of that. 
And and my response to that is, I don't agree with that. And and to explain, I'm not grieving. So am I to walk around and treat everybody like they're grieving? Yeah. And I think what we're doing is we're looking at, um, a, 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 again, the, the, the content mm-hmm. instead of the individual. I'm not meeting the individual with who they are. Now, if I'm going to be a balanced individual, I'm not going to approach them like they're grieving and assume that they are. I'm not going to approach them like, well, in a political sense, like they're a minority. I'm not going to approach them like they have privilege. I'm not going to approach them in those ways. I'm actually going to use the knowledge that I have, that I've learned, and go, okay, who are they, how are they acting, and where are they at? So if I can understand that they're this and they think that, then I would interact accordingly using my skills mm-hmm. in the moment instead of judging them based on this or treating them that way. I don't want to be well, people treating me like I'm grieving all the time. Like, no, I, I want people to be like assuming, I mean, if anything, assuming I'm just a happy-go-lucky individual. And then my responses after that will kind of dictate that. But how do you how do you walk up to somebody who's just smiling and be like, oh my God, he's a happy person. And then be like, oh, Eeyore. And, uh, you know, it's, you can't help but have the response. But if, if everyone's Eeyore and we're actually treating Eeyore, yeah. Where there, do we ever grow and learn? There's a pervasive uh, flow in our country right now, I think, around that. There may need a check and balance, or one will automatically come at some point in time. The pendulum's swinging where everyone has a say, and they can all say it. But is just because you can, do you? Well, then you're getting on that the, those that know and those that understand. For those that want to understand, they understand they have an opinion. Doesn't mean I have to give it. Right. I might want to sit back and look and watch the situation and understand it for what it is. I might want to take my own bias or ideas or narrative out of it and go, why is this person acting the way they are? And then do I actually answer the questions they have to ask? They, they're asking. You know, and it's kind of like even what's happening here. You might ask a certain question, and I can't go to a direct answer because really the premise of the question is more like a thought pattern. Sometimes the question itself is it might be incorrect, but it's really based on a way of looking at things. So it's people really are looking at the a very linear approach. Here's the problem. Dog gets in a fight. What do I do? Too late. Because the idea is that's the wrong question. It's what do I do to prevent that fight? What do I do to do, you know, approach other things? So if I'm going to look at that human, I'm not going to I'm kind of, I, I need to pull myself back. And well, the variables, <laughs> it's okay. I got you. The variables, yeah. the variables are, are many in our world. And, and even with dog training, there's a lot of variables. There's, as you said, there's the owner, yes. the owner's emotions, the owner's expectations. Um, honestly, you could probably dial even down to the food they eat or are given, yeah. the, the noise in their environment, how they react to that. Every dog's different. Yes. How they're treated on a regular basis or engaged with and the approach of the energy of the owner. I, those are my immediate thoughts. <laughs> well, it's interesting the process immediately that goes on. You know, when somebody's going to ask me a question, the first thing I'm going to do is go, okay, I have the dog. What's happening with the dog? Where's the dog at? Okay, they're here. Now, if I'm going to answer that question, they're really not going to understand what I'm pointing out and why because I have to really come to the full context of why the dog's here. The other thing is I have to contest the information that they already think and believe is the fact and the truth. So I'm going to have to now deal with them. Now, when somebody comes to me and says, can you fix my dog? Then I'm like, okay, well, your dog is like this because of this environment. Now, when you're assuming that I'm going to show up in this, this situation and go, I'm going to make your dog listen to you. Uh, I guess the parallel is for those that are parents. You ever try to make your kid do what you want just because you said? Right. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> yes. And, and if we were to look at a dog in that same way, um, and in fact, a different perspective is 
Can you imagine what the world would be like if we were to train a dog the way we train a kid? And in fact, let's take that word train out of that because we don't train kids. If we're doing it correctly, we're educating them. And we're actually educating them on the values of their choices. So give them a choice, let them make it, and then they're either learning the consequence or the reward, whatever it may be, and you let them do it. We get in the way when we only want them to succeed. We get in the way when we don't want them to fail. We get in the way when we don't want them to make a choice or a bad choice. We just want them to be obedient. Listen to me. So if I were to treat a dog like I would a kid, then I technically I would be looking at that dog at some point becoming, quote, 18 years old and not under my control. So if we were to educate a dog on making choices where we get to a point where we have to stop telling them what to do, I see dogs that are service dogs. They detect cancers in humans. Um, a program I used to work in, so it's amazing when you see the results of that. When you see dogs being able to tell when someone's blood sugar's low, you see a dog that is aware of somebody who's about to have a seizure, and then you look at your pet, and you realize your pet would be capable of that, but they're not. They're having these behavioral issues because all that we do is we own them and they exist, and we feed them all this emotion so that we get what we want to, but we don't teach them what to do. We don't teach them success or teach them what to do. And on that note, we'll be right back. That's brilliant. You're listening to Making Life Brighter. That is Brian Gallagher. He is the canine collaborator. Hold on. We'll be right back. There's more. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. How much health and wellness information have you been exposed to today? Listen to Prescription for Success with Dr. Emil Haldi. Healing and empowerment start from within, but it also takes the best knowledge and advice. That's what you'll find here. Dr. Haldi and his guests will help you make the right life-enhancing decisions for well-being success. Tune in live every Thursday at 6 p.m. Eastern and 3 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel for Prescription for Success. There is a difference in health and wellness programs. There can be mainstream programs, and then there is something extra. That something extra is called tips to keep you healthy, happy, and motivated with your host, Kristen Harper. If you want to hear some behind-the-scenes talk radio when it comes to health and wellness, the why as well as the how, be sure to tune in each week. This show will inspire you to be healthy and happy for life, as well as become the best version of yourself. Listen Tuesdays at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Health & Wellness. The Voice America Live Events Channel is here now to showcase your corporate, individual, or organization's live event. Visit voiceamerica.com forward slash live events to see all of our past live events and find out more. Whether it's a multi-day conference, special speaker, or single-day event, we've got everything to make your event a success. We can do a few hours or a few days. For more information about taking your event to the next level, call Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or email info at voiceamerica.com. Again, that's Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or send us an email to info at voiceamerica.com. Voice America is where you are and where you want to be. Join us around the globe as we broadcast live from some of the most interesting events available. Don't forget to view all our live events, including on-demand access to past events that you may have missed by visiting voiceamerica.com forward slash live events. 
Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. Welcome back to Making Life Brighter with Winifred Adams on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel, the preferred choice for conscious education and entertainment. For more information, please visit us at makinglifebrighter.com. If you have questions or comments, please email us at radio at makinglifebrighter.com. That's radio at makinglifebrighter.com. And now, back to the show with your host, Winifred Adams. That was terrific. Oh, my gosh. That was an amazing, an amazing point. So thank you so much, Brian, for coming today. Brian Gallagher is on Instagram. You can find him at the Canine Collaborator. And uh, you can also contact him at 818-399-4425. And that's 818-399-4425, Brian Gallagher. And he, to me, not only has an understanding of energy, but... A concept, and you aren't a licensed psychologist, but you certainly have understood psychology in depth with creatures and animals and interaction and people even. And it just makes so much sense. It's it's very logical, and yet it's very intuitive all in one, I think. Do you consider yourself intuitive? Um, I think, yeah. I, it's something that you, you learn to to listen um, and I think that's the whole key in that. Um, when you start listening, you have to take yourself out of the situation. Or, like in this sense, how do I, how do I become my own therapist with the issues that I've had in my life? When you look at that and you go, okay, I need cause and effect. I need, why did this happen? I can only do that if I take my emotion and my value out of it of, of things like, let's say, for instance, being vulnerable. If I have to go, listen, I, I was, didn't like how I felt in that space. If I want to avoid that, then I won't listen and I won't hear the actual fact because I have to prevent myself from believing or even saying that I was vulnerable and I don't like that or I don't I don't like how I felt or I don't want people to think this or feel this or uh, it's when we take that emotion out of it and we really just look at the very kind of diagnostic approach going this is what happened why and can I allow myself to understand it without my emotion getting in the way to prevent myself from doing that because I don't like how I feel or that value of myself in that space. I have to be willing to accept all outcomes regardless of what I think or feel about it. By doing that, you start to listen. And if I can do that with myself, uh, then I can do that with other beings, in this case, a dog. One of those patterns that I learned to kind of, it's that align. How do you align yourself? Um, And then what does that mean when you're going to align? I tend to think like, uh, like 3D. You know, if you were to watch a, a television that has, you know, the projectors, the three lights and the projectors, and one of those lights is off, your alignment is off, you're not going to enjoy that process. Um, and it's kind of a, a triangulation. If I'm going to look at behavior, I need to triangulate the behavior. I need to prove this is actually really happening. Um, and in order to do that, I have to even know what that calibration, that correct calibration looks like. So for me, that correct 3D, three-component process was what I think, what I say, and what I do. Mm -hmm. 
if I'm having a conversation with someone and I'm thinking this, but I'm saying that. Now, I could say this and do this, but what I'm thinking doesn't align with it. Someone else might not know that, but I know that. So is it more about what they're doing or is it about what I'm doing? So now I could do the other thing where it's let's pick the other two. Let's say um, I'm saying what I think, right? right? So those two things line up, but I'm not doing it. Mm-hmm. You're not calibrated. So you don't have that, that, that alignment. So for me, it was real important to make sure I got those three things. And it's you realize how difficult that is when you create a certain lifestyle and a certain way of interacting with people. We're really about needing people to see us in a certain way. When all of a sudden you're trying to get that alignment and you realize they're going to see you for who you really are, that you've been hiding away, that you've been insecure about, once you get those three things in there. Well, the first thing you have to do is go, okay, I realize I'm not in alignment. Great. Now the next part is the decision. Do I want to? And then what does that really mean? And then the third part is doing the work. Like, you Amen have to, that. to do the work. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so, but most people proactively don't want to do that. They just want the end result. They want no, to be accepted right. without doing the work. Did you do the work? Did you actually? I'm still doing the work. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, yeah. uh, to me, it's like, when is enough money enough money? Yeah. When do you ever get there? You know, you don't. It's a constant work. I, I, you know, it seems we always seem to want a culmination of understanding and the only culmination I think I can come up with is going to be one that is going to be in the last moment of thought on my deathbed. Because then I have to take up to that point everything I learned. Yeah. Now, let's say I have that discussion or that feeling, that discussion with myself and that understanding going, I just had a culmination. And now I'm alive for another 10 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> How do I behave now? What about right. now? You're gonna have you're gonna have a, a new dawning, another understanding. It's possible. So now it's something else. Now when you can step outside yourself and look at it, but it's always constantly changing, always constantly evolving. Right? It's kind of an interesting thought. <laughs> I love that. I think it's great. Now you've had all kinds of training with um, careers, so to speak, mm. that's brought you to this point. Oh, yeah. You've done. You've been coaching whether it's animals or people. Tell us a little bit about your background. I'm only going to touch on part of it because there's a whole list. We can have a whole other show. You can come back. We'll just dive into more of these topics. But that's, that's where experience comes from. You know, if I were to just stay doing one thing my whole life, then I'm limited by those experiences. Um, and when you go through life, you, my, my whole focus was kind of like it of my grandfather. Um, my grandfather was like, well, if you're doing something for money, then you're going to stop thinking. Now, if you're going to do something, make sure you're constantly thinking, you're constantly growing, and then you move with that thinking. Well, I don't think he meant what I ended up doing with that because I'd go and work at a job, and I'd learn what I could with that job, and then when I was done, it was like, oh, next job, and I'd move on. So, I mean, everything from being a janitor to, you know, working in a print shops and um, running printing presses to, I mean, uh, so many things. But as far as sea lions and... and Yeah, and and most of my life I was a professional skater, a roller skater, inline skater. I got certified as an instructor in 95 in Boston. And so my whole life was just surrounding... Uh, break dancing, um, street skating. I had a van with skate gear, and I would do kids camps, adult classes, kids classes, um, you name it. I was teaching classes at UCLA, and that was my main thing. And then I moved to California and then started doing the Hollywood thing, and so I got involved and got seeing that. Um, but then I also got certified as a motorcycle coach. So when you're dealing with skating and you're dealing with uh, motorcycles, you're also dealing with a lot of fears. So when someone shows up to your class going, "I want to learn how to skate," or "I want to learn how to ride a motorcycle." 
right away I'm going, yeah, not really, because you're not here about riding a motorcycle. You're actually here about learning how to manage your stresses and your issues. You're going to get on that bike and say, well, if you want to learn how to ride the motorcycle, squeeze the clutch, put it into gear, roll in the throttle, keep your eyes up. You won't do that and you can't do that. Why? Because your fears and your insecurities are more important. So you're going to struggle with that. So I'm not essentially teaching you how to ride a motorcycle. I'm teaching you how to manage your fears in a space of high anxiety and learning how to manage that and find the success through giving up your control. <laughs> I think it's brilliant. And so you ended up coaching other people and, and taking that concept and applying it to others. Yeah, my, my dawning, especially in teaching, uh, the other thing I was teaching was roller derby. I, I taught, I skated old school roller derby, so I got to see the old, you know, skate with the old T-Birds and the Bay City Bombers, and, and that was just kind of exciting in itself. Um, and then I got involved in a TV show where I skated on television, moved to California, and from that point on, this roller girl phenomenon came on, and I had some girls approach me, and they wanted to learn. So I went to Texas, and I trained the original group there, and then came back and started uh the 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 derby dolls here they approached me you know with 13 girls and said we want to learn how to skate and i'm like okay let's teach them how to skate and then i realized it really wasn't about skating it yeah. was there was a bigger picture in that whole thing so i wasn't aware in that moment that it was a bigger picture so my experiences in that was going while i'm trying to teach them how to skate i wasn't aware that it wasn't about skating there was way more into that if you give people the opportunity they'll do the easiest shortest route if there's an option to forego all the work to get the trophy or to get what you want to get to, people will do that. Um, so through these experiences, what allowed me to to get to this point and then working with as a dolphin trainer, scene line trainer in my 20s and then now become, you know, focus on dog training. I'm seeing this really is just is not about dogs. It's about the parallels and psychology between humans and dogs, why dogs are the way they are. But now it allows me to go. Here's why the humans are an issue. Well, thank you so much for coming. I ask everybody the same question. What makes your life brighter? Um, <laughs> um, I guess taking my, you know, the experiences, being able to have an effect, make an effect and change people's lives, and then also learning when I can get out of my own way and get people that mean things and allow them into my life. Amazing. Please come back. Let's do this again. We're not done yet. We have a bigger conversation yet. You're listening to Making Life Brighter Radio. Thank you so much, Brian Gallagher. He is the canine collaborator. Thank you for listening to Making Life Brighter on the Health and Wellness Channel. Be sure to join us every Thursday at 10 a.m. for information, inspiration, and education with leading experts in healing and consciousness. For more information and a complete show schedule, please visit us at makinglifebrighter.com. Making Life Brighter, successfully helping you feel better from the inside out. Go Jolly! This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.